0: back at you with another episode of this life ain't for everybody i'm chad belding your host thank you all again so much for the support got a lot of momentum going into the new year we still got one month about left in 2018 the best time of the year i may add in the fall pre-winter christmas Thanksgiving, New Year's Eve, the just the smells and the senses in the air, the outdoors, the ducks, the migration, the deer, the rut. Um, if you're fishing, there's a lot of good fishing going on. We got a lot of it right here in the state of Nevada, as a matter of fact. And today, my guest, he knows a lot about not just hunting and fishing, but just that outdoor lifestyle. Born around the Dallas, Texas area, migrated to South Florida because of a position his dad received with a company. We'll talk about that. The one and only. Killing it outdoors, you guys have seen him all over Realtree, all over companies such as Garmin, such as uh, Bandit he's worked with, he's with Oakley, he's an ambassador for a bunch of fishing companies, bass fishing on Lake Okeechobee, fish, marlin fishing, bill fishing, tuna fishing, offshore fishing, competitions for fun with his buddies. Again, the one and only, probably needs no introduction, Brett Cannon. How are you, my man?
1: I'm doing good, buddy. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm great. Was that a good enough introduction? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: That was pretty good, bud. You're, you're good at this.
0: <laughs> no, I'm kind of just winging it. You, uh, I just want to go back. This is kind of a cool story. In your, in your memory, tell me how we met.
1: Okay. It was... Birmingham, Alabama, I believe, right? Yeah. Or Montgomery. Or Montgomery. Was it, was it one somewhere. of those two? Yeah. yeah, somewhere. And uh, we actually had booths next to each other. And I just remember this god-awful noise in my ear for three days straight.
0: My voice or a duck call? A
1: duck call. <laughs> I it was my voice. go so go. no, no, man. It was, I'm like, golly, this guy can blow a duck call. And then. I guess that's that's where it all started.
0: So we're at the Alabama Deer Classic. We have a booth there. We're probably in like season, what was it, like seven years ago, probably in like season three or four of the Foul Life, and we're selling merchandise and duck calls, banded calls. It just started at that time. Yeah, y'all make y'all had
1: some momentum like just yeah. growing, I feel, yeah. I feel like.
0: Right? It was starting to roll. Yeah. And you were down there with some friends, and you had a Killing It booth, and you guys had a big screen TV in there with footage playing, which caught my attention. So we started talking hung out for dinner and and had a couple drinks that night. And the rest is history. Y'all invited me down to Florida. We have hung out in Nashville together. We've been several places together. But most of our time spent together has been on a boat offshore, you know, off of Miami, South Beach, Fort Lauderdale, Boca Raton, Lighthouse. And the experiences that we've had in that area are some really cool ones that all started with just that common bond of, hey, what are y'all doing here? What's, what's going on with your brand? What are you doing with your brand? And you weren't per se necessarily a, a duck hunter at the time. We were just outdoorsmen. Mm-hmm. I was enthralled by your turkey footage and your billfish footage. And then we just started talking about, you know, the natural progression of a friendship. We started talking about, hey, let's get together. And the next thing you know, I'm on your boat, you know, a couple miles off the shore of Fort Lauderdale catching 15 sailfish in a day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you always talk about hunting, right? It's the common denominator. Yeah. And here it is, a friendship that's lasted how many years now?
0: I think it's got to be seven. I think <laughs> that it was yeah, season, yeah. season three. And I'm trying to think back of the coolest thing that we did. And we got to talk about probably the coolest thing that you helped me do and couldn't have done it without you. Your dad, Tim Maddock, was a part of it. But mm-hmm. we, we did this in a one-day period. 24 hours. 24 hours. We woke up and went bait fishing. Yep, we caught bait. Then it, we went offshore
1: and we caught some mahi, we caught a sailfish, and then we said, all right.
0: So we mm-hmm. caught my first sailfish ever. Yeah, and we sailfish. caught multiple sailfish that day. Mm-hmm. At times we had, you know, doubles and triples on.
1: Yeah, I remember it was rough too. It was like five, was yeah. like seven foot. sixes <laughs> was, and seven. So yeah. it wasn't,
0: it was, I've been on the sea before in the ocean, but not like in that kind of environment where I was really focused on what we were trying to get done. And you talk about the emotions that go with it when that boat's going across the waves, like it does spot and bill fish from the upper deck, the way that you and Matt Maddock and, and and we'll get into the guys that you run with. It's I've always said it. it's like being in a surgery room. (laughs) You guys are just technicians and surgeons that everybody knows their role. And it was just a joy and a blast to actually see how it, it gets done the right way. And we caught a lot of sailfish, a lot of mahi, like you were saying, and then we get out of the ocean, put that boat on the trailer and head straight to the Everglades. Yep for my very first gator, gator, gator yeah. hunt. Yeah. And I kill an 11-foot gator on film on my very first hunt with you guys helping me and your dad's out there, you're out there, Maddox out there. And so in 24-hour period, first selfish on the Atlantic Ocean, south of Fort Lauderdale, yep. in between Fort Lauderdale and the Bahamas, and then go up to the Everglades and kill a, an 11-foot gator on film. We filmed the entire thing and documented it for TV and yeah. social media. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah,
1: A lot of people don't realize how much wildlife is actually in South Florida. Um, You know, in the Everglades, you got bears, you got gators, you got coyotes, you got deer, you got turkey, and then you have all the alligator, you know, all the all the fishing that's insane out there. So it's just a, an outdoor paradise.
0: <coughs> yeah, and I, th- I think the misconception comes, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that when most people hear Florida, they think, one, Orlando and Disney World. Mm-hmm. They think beaches. They think that summer life, which it's amazing there. I mean, mm-hmm. you go from St. Petersburg to Orlando to Tampa and then further south down into South Beach and Miami and where we're talking about Fort Lauderdale and Boca Raton those areas. It's beautiful. I love that time of the year. We've shared m- many fun nights at Tortuga Music Festival and, yeah. and 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 really cool party nights down there. But as far as the, the outdoor experience, I don't know if there's a state in the country that offers as much of intercoastal stuff and you got your turkeys up and you got the osceola which is the Mm -hmm. only state in the union that you can kill an osceola turkey in Mm -hmm. the only state that has them yep then you got white-tailed deer you got a hog population that's out of control control. you have your gator hunting you have duck you have duck your gator hunting is out of control Mm -hmm. you have duck hunting and 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 some goose hunting in northern florida but there's duck hunting all the way down the coast on both sides north and west florida and then you have the offshore fishing. Um, well, before you get the offshore fishing, you have intercoastal fishing, like the yeah, bass yep. fishing is yep. world-class. Yep. And then you have offshore fishing, which is, you, you can get good offshore fishing in a lot mm-hmm. of parts of the ocean, but down there is, yeah. is exceptional.
1: Yeah. the uh, I mean, it's an outdoor paradise, but I guess the deer don't get big, so it doesn't draw a huge crowd of deer hunters. Uh, but the hogs, I mean, there's an abundance of them. Uh, the offshore, like you said, the offshore fishing is unbelievable. You know, you were only 50 miles from the Bahamas. Uh, bass fishing is top-notch. So there's just, it's just awesome. And I do, I want to go go back to the gator hunt. I do remember you in the boat while we were gator hunting and your legs trembling when we had that gator hooked up.
0: Well, we, it was, there's, you tell the truth, though. Tell this whole story is that, you're not allowed to have motors on your boat when you're gator hunting in Florida, right? Or at least in the Everglades. No, yeah. So no we more. can't get away from the thing. And it's a 14 foot boat with three grown or no, four grown men. No, no, no. it was a
1: 10 foot boat.
0: 10 foot boat with four grown men. We had three feet of us hunting, and then a camera crew or something yeah. like that.
1: Yeah, we had a camera crew. It was insane. The, the the gator was pulling the boat so fast that it almost had us on plane. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, and I was like,
0: and and I was like, when when do they? Do they come up? I mean, how how do you reel this thing in? And let, let's just talk a little bit about how you, um, you know, when you have a gator, you hook a gator down there, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit different than what people probably see on TV. Is you know the baiting and the yeah. and the gator comes up and you have them hooked and then you pull in the line. Well, this is you hunt for them, you find them, you hook them, you bring them in. You got to tire them out. You got these john boats again with no motor on them, mm-hmm. so you're being pulled around at the mercy of this freaking prehistoric badass hunting gator yeah. that could smoke you in one bite of his with his jaws. And I'm I'm from the high desert of Nevada, and now I'm down there with this gator hooked up. I was trembling a little bit, but the excitement in like you're like, man, is he going to come up? How do you get him up off of the bottom? Because it seemed like a lot of times they would just relax and just fall out and get to the bottom and hook onto something.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that you have to. Their nose is like nothing else, so you have to play them just like a whitetail. You got to, you know, play the scent, get down, get them hooked with a snag rod, right? And then you use that as just like. It just kind of like feed you like I guess it, I guess it just guides you to where he is, and then you get a big snag hook in him, like a bridge gaff with a big, huge treble hook like on an ox, with like rope, and that's what you use to try to get him up. And you know we were trying to wait for him to tire out, but that gator did not tire out. He just kept dragging us.
0: And what, the funniest story that happened was there was two funny parts after the harvest was. We, you always tape a gator's mouth down after you, you kill him so there's nobody who scrapes themselves on the sharp teeth or any mistakes are made, or if he might not be all the way dead, which we'll get to in a second, but you, you, uh, we have him taped now, we have him in the boat, we're doing some post-hunt interviews and the lights are on and I'm standing in the water with you and we look back and there's just like 10 sets of eyes that are, you know, right above the water with other gators paying attention. And at any time, one of them could swam, swam up, swim <laughs> swam up. And I, I'm like getting the shakes thinking about it. like, why would we be so ignorant to stand in that water? And we do it though. Tim. And then we pull him up onto the, onto the dike and onto the road. We set him up for some pictures and I'm doing one last interview. And we take the tape off his mouth to make it look as realistic as possible. And sure enough, the camera guy's like, get out, he's like motioned to me like, hey, get, Yeah, he saw
1: his back leg move or something yeah. and then all of a sudden he just went, Whoa pa <laughs> You just heard his mouth just go. Ooh.
0: Yeah, and I thought, oh my, and he's kind of swam back into the water a little bit and this was an hour after I had thought I, I killed him. And we had to make it clear though, is that um, we're in Florida louisiana maybe a little bit of mississippi a lot of louisiana though there's legal gator seasons and there's a ton of gators they put a they put a harvest on them as far as a quota that needs to be reached certain people can get tags there's commercial tags for commercial fishermen and then you can put it and apply for a private tag outfitters get tags there's a reason why they hunt them and harvest them and the main two reasons are population control because they're overran with them Mm -hmm. which we could sit here and talk all day about the snakes and the iguanas and the gators that florida the bo- the the pythons florida's overran with pythons yep. because i think the story goes that somebody let a pet out one day back in the day and he went out and made it or whatever and they've just overpopulated the state right
1: i think it was hurricane andrew that actually wiped out a a reptile farm or something like that and um i think it all got loose
0: that's what i heard really yeah well anyway there's a lot of snakes mm-hmm. there's there's a is it camp ripley which camp is up there for the army rangers pendleton not pendleton but i've been to it i've trained at it but we they have a snake training there to where they take the soldiers through a snake training course to where they have to identify readily identify the poisonous snakes Mm -hmm. and what to do if they encounter one yeah that's a whole part of the military training there for
1: the army rangers well they have now they have um python it's a python tournament where they go a bunch of airboaters go out and they try to kill pythons and try to really? get rid of them yeah and I,
0: and I, and I don't want it to sound because when you start when you hear deer hunting and you hear duck hunting and you hear turkey hunting there's a little bit of a traditional sense to that of like hey People have been deer hunting forever, and people have been duck hunting, and, and and you know the anti's out there, and the people that don't understand it, or that might you know have come at us and say, "Hey, why are you hunting?" Now we never want to give them any reason to say, "Hey, what are you you're killing alligators like a prehistoric animal?" There's so many alligators in Florida, Louisiana. There's a reason why they put a quote on them and open a season, and then mm-hmm. on top of the population control to ensure the safety of human beings, pets. I mean, these gators, I've been in downtown areas with you around Lauderdale, and they're just right right there in housing communities. Oh, yeah. They live amongst the people. I mean, they got to be kept in check. Uh, The Orlando story of the kid, I mean, I'm not going to place any blame on anybody. A a year-old kid or a two-year-old kid walking in the water when the signs say, careful, there's gator-infested waters. Mm -hmm. There's gators everywhere. Oh, yeah. That's one reason. The other reason is... The jaw meat and the tail meat are insane table fare. Oh yeah, great to eat. Unbelievable. Is it always have to be fried? Or have you grilled it? Blackened it? Have you done anything? I haven't,
1: I haven't tested it honestly. I've just, I have. I've, I've just blackened. I mean, I've just um, fried it. Lightly
0: fried. It. I've yeah. done the blackened on a Traeger, and mm-hmm. I'm telling, you, I got some. I got some gator meat from you. You would ship me some gator meat with mm-hmm. a transportation tag, and I got some from Louisiana, and. um I grilled it in foil with started it in foil and then took it out and kind of did a reverse sear on it on a cast iron. Absolutely insane. Yeah. So uh, there you have a, you have another means of food, supplying food for your friends, your family, table fare, and then the population control. I just don't want people to go like you guys, are. they, they, they get this ideology in their head that if you're killing one thing, you think you can kill everything. No, it's, it's a ethical sport down there and ethical way of life. I hate saying sport and hunting too, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's You're doing the, the gator. They're going to get diseased with how many of them there yeah, are anyway, and they they're going to die out.
1: Yeah, they have no predators. They have no predators at all. They, they shut it down for a little while, and then they had to, they had to say, hey, we got to start a quota, a, a quota now because I've gone to that place where we've gone and gone to the spillway. When the spillway is actually running and it's pumping water, I've gone there and I've honestly counted like 500 sets of eyeballs in a 150-yard radius. 500. 500. So, at that point, you know they're all working against each other. They're either going to eat each other, or you know they don't have enough food. They're ducks. All you know, they're just. You have to kill them.
0: You just have to. What's the biggest one you guys have harvested? Twelve five. A twelve-foot-five-inch alligator. Mm-hmm. And what is what is the main reason that? Is there a commercial market for gator right now? Is there something that is does the skin and the hide go somewhere for leather means i purses and boots? And is there is when you go and you have your tags, do you take and, and make sure that the entire gator is is used mm-hmm. as far as the food, the the skull, you, you boil the skulls everything, for decoration. Everything gets used. Everything gets yeah.
1: used. Exactly. The the price has gone down because of gator farming. But before, you know, there there's guys every time you come in from gator hunting. There's two or three different taxidermists or processors or whatever sitting there wanting to buy your gator from you. Really? Yeah, because you know everything gets used, whether it's the meat, the hide, the, the skull, everything.
0: So, as a as a resident of Florida, mm-hmm. can I hunt gators every year, or is, is it a draw system? It's a draw. Is, I didn't.
1: I haven't trawled in the last two years.
0: So how do you get multiple tags? Because I thought in, in years past you have, or you knew people that did, or how does that work?
1: Um, I put in. We I would put in, and I have everyone I know put in for tags, and then whoever got drawn, that person has to be there, so you can get a trapper's assistant permit. And as long as the tag, the person that has the tag, is on on site, you know, then anybody can hunt as long as you have a, a trapper's assistant permit.
0: Trapper's assistant permit, mm-hmm. and the state of Florida is pretty inexpensive and very affordable, even for a non-resident to fish or hunt. I mean, it's—I think
1: g- it tag's like fifty-two dollars to to be a trapper assistant. But if you were to get the an out-of-state license, I think it's around fifteen hundred dollars, a thousand to fifteen hundred.
0: Really? Yeah. For, for, the, for a gator, gator, though. Yeah. For but a gator. you can—it's way cheaper than that to go offshore fishing for a license. Oh yeah, yeah. But then you, if you don't have a friend like you and you got to, you know, you might have to hire a charter or an outfitter, you know, somebody to take you out for the day, which it can still be reasonable in that, mm-hmm. um, do, as far as the gator hunting goes, is it something in, I, I, I kind of, uh, maybe compare it to gator, uh, cougar hunting out West. Okay. Like. They're beautiful. They're majestic. They're just so powerful and they're sneaky and they're hunter and you barely ever see them in the wild. We've seen very few in the wild as many, much, many hours and days we've spent in the mountains out West. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot more cougars and mountain lions in the Western United States than there are in the central United States or the Eastern United States or the Southern United States. So you don't see them to see one and, and, and to hunt one. It's pretty majestic. And the dogs do all the work. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're on the, they, you cut a track on a snowmobile or a four wheeler, UTV or something, And then you let the dogs out and it's on like Donkey Kong. They'll chase that thing for days. They get him, gets in a tree. They'll hear the different pitches and the barks. The outfitter or the guys that run the dogs will know, hey, he's on a cat. You never know. Is it a big tom? Is it a female? Is it it good enough? Is it what you're looking for? You get up there and it it can be strenuous on the body. A lot of times it's up really steep hills. It's got a lot of snow, a lot of rock piles. So you don't know where you're stepping with that snow. You might, you know, step down into something. You got to be in shape to do it.
1: Yeah, I've seen it.
0: And it's, it's, it's it's, it's an incredible experience, but then you get up there and that cats in that tree and I get it. The deer he's killed, the antelope, the elk he's killed, but he, they got to be kept under control too. I understand predator management, but I've killed them. I've seen them fall out of the tree. I've mounted them. I've had rugs made. I'm not afraid to admit it, but it's not something that I would ever go and do again. I would go on the hunt and I would follow the dogs and I'd go with you for your first one or your third, whatever it is for you. I'd go do it. Cause I love it and I believe in it. Mm-hmm. But as far as pulling the bow back or squeezing the trigger, I'm over that part of it. And gator hunting to me is something that might get that. I don't eat mountain lion. I know Ranella does. And some people do eat mountain lion. I don't eat cats. So um, and you and don't have it's to, like pork. you don't have to, I've heard, I've heard, you know, a lot of things are like chicken too. And, they're not, and I'm <laughs> yeah. not afraid to try. I'll, eat, I'll, I'll I'll try pretty much anything. I've tried mountain lion. I'm just saying that it's not my favorite mm. is gator hunting like that. Is it something that you're like, Oh, I got to go do it again. Or are you kind of like, I'd rather just bring my buddies now.
1: Uh, I just, i I think I've done it enough to where I just see the excitement that my, that my friends get that, you know, I don't, I don't they're getting the meat as long as i get a little bit of the meat with them they their excitement that they get when they bang stick it with a 357 bullet or or whatever i mean and then know the good they're doing yeah i don't i don't have to kill another one same i mean i guess i'm the same with you i just i love being there for the experience watching it knowing that we're doing what we need to do um as conservationists and that's it
0: and you have you have now we've touched on one you have in that trip that whole experience in that 24 hours and I was down there for maybe four days at that time and I was just in awe like to me the South Florida lifestyle and we we'll talk more about this as we get into future podcasts and conversations but the South Florida lifestyle is pretty freaking cool man like there's so much to, we'll, we'll get into the beach bodies and your abs and, and all of the things that the guys have to do there to, to make sure that they can keep up with the Joneses. Cause it's the worst in the world that I've ever seen. Maybe downtown Barcelona, Spain is right there with it. But like, it's, it's really like you, there's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses with the amount of money in Lauderdale Miami and the, and, and all of that. But besides that part of it, it's special to me because it's like, it really is heaven on earth, and I'm, and I'm a duck hunter, and I would never go to Florida and say, oh, man, it's going to be an unreal duck hunt. I know you can kill them there. Don't get me wrong. I know that they have a season there, but it's not known as a destination for wild ducks or wild geese. But as far as going down there and the lifestyle, the food, the sushi, the f- seafood, the the intercoastal to me is one of, it's gotta be the coolest vibe in the world to have a boat, to go from the backyard of your house, you literally walk out the back door of your pad and you guys get into your vessel and you maneuver through these intercoastal waterways. There's bars and grills and houses and P. Diddy and Shaq and (laughs) Jack Links and Troy Link and all these (laughs) badass pads along the way and these yachts and all this. You know there's money there, but, and you're driving through there and you're navigating through there and then you come out into the inlet that goes out into the, most powerful thing we have in the world probably is our oceans mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't matter what the seas are or anything but to me it's just like that experience and then you can have that gator hunt two hours away you can go up north a little bit to tampa area in tampa county and find the osceola you can go out to your farm that's up towards tampa too and kill as many pigs as that is your heart as you want to like i don't know if there's a better all-around wildlife state that offers that with the chance to go out onto the ocean and do that. It's just a, yeah, I, no,
1: it's different for sure. It's a unique, very unique place. Yeah. You can go to your friend's house on boat. You don't have to take a car. You can go to bars on the boat. Like it's just, it's very, and, paddle I've, board done on it, there. I've done it so much where it's like, sometimes I'm like, man, I kind of like a, just a small place in Kansas, small farm, just get out of it. Cause it's, it's, it's the rat race though. It's a concrete jungle, you know, it's still, it's fast paced. It's, when you get, that's why we, that's why every single chance I get to fish or hunt, I do because it's like every day the grind and then, okay, I can go offshore and I'm, I'm back in my element and I can go 35 minutes West and be in, be in the Everglades because I mean, there's, that's the thing, like the Everglades takes up so, so much of the, the landscape down there that you only, I guess there's only, all the houses are on the, on the coast, right? So everybody's just so crammed up where, it's like oh man you can't see it's bad in the traffic every it, it's just it gets it gets to you sometimes it's being oh, an outdoorsman like me so i'm like that's why every single chance i get to be be anywhere but in the concrete jungle i am
0: and i and i think that there's something to be said about that though because with your mentality and 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 i know you're a country boy and you're from dallas and you love being in the country you love being in the woods but man a little place in kansas unless you're really slow down and really have discipline to just disconnect and stay disconnected. Um, I don't know if you would be suited for that. I don't yeah. know. And I get it. I love it too. I love being in camp, but I also like the chase. I like the, the, you know, you know, the negotiation, the concrete jungle being, I, I don't like traffic. I mean, nobody does, but you got to deal with it. It's just part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you you live in a place though that people would uh, they associate south beach with nightclubs Miami vice tanned up dudes with aviator glasses on with slicked hair and Pitbull the rapper and all this lifestyle of being I out saw him on,
1: the other day driving in the neighborhood <laughs> <Did you really? laughs>
0: He used to play here all the time at the local clubs with a guy named EJ the DJ And Pitbull would play at this club here called Reno live when he was, you know Obviously everybody starts from nothing, right? Yeah. And he was grinding like he'd go in there and do these little sets with this DJ This local DJ that I went to college with and he uh yeah, and now I, he's worth like 60, 70 million killing it.
1: I know. I saw, I,
0: what is it, Fat Joe? Is yeah. that a guy? Yeah.
1: I think he lives in our neighborhood, and him and uh, Pitbull were coming out of the neighborhood together within like a, I think it was like a Rolls Royce or <laughs> something Imagine crazy. That. Windows blacked out, all crazy. How I'm did like, you know it was Pitbull? Bald, bald hair, and I saw the big guy. I mean, I've seen him on TV. I, I, I come out, and they were turning right into the neighborhood. Really? They live like a couple streets down.
0: So they, does Pitbull live in there too?
1: I think he lives in Miami. I think.
0: Fat I think Joe? It,
1: I think it's one of those guys, one of the big guys. I don't know
0: which one. Rick Ross or Fat? Rick Fatter. Ross. Is he the black it guy? It was Rick Ross. It was Rick Ross. It Rick Ross. It was Rick Ross. Oh, yeah. He's bad to the bone. Yeah. It's <laughs> He's Rick killed. Ross
1: and, and Pitbull. That's who it was.
0: And you, you have, think about what you're saying. You have, your neighborhood is on the, intercoastal these guys pitbull you're talking about shack and P. Diddy and all these people all the celebrity there you're living like in this place with all this money and all the celebrity and then you get out there and you got this passion of the outdoors you got the fishing and you got the hunting. that's what's so cool about it to me is that you have the nightlife you have the movies being shot you have the 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 ideology that South, South beach really is that South beach Mm -hmm. is a place to where it's about your beauty. You better have a plastic surgeon on speed dial. You better have, you're making money. You better have, you know, and you're living, you're, you're living in that with Rolls Royces and Bentleys and freaking Lamborghinis. I'm faking it till I make it. (laughs) But that's the thing is that you don't, you live in a cool place and you don't have to you know, but that, it just shows you how special that place is. Everybody that can afford a big ass house on in the Intercoastal of Florida you has. See
1: one. the look on their face when I bring an alligator into the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> you come up the Intercoastal your boat with nine gators on it, and oh uh, my gosh, they all come out and look. When I'm skinning a gator in the backyard, they they it's like they've seen a ghost. They <laughs> really? have no idea. They're like, where did you get that? They have no. That's the thing. They have no idea that it's only forty five minutes away. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Well, actually. I mean, they
0: don't leave there. Yeah. It's in a helicopter if they leave there and they I, don't ever couple, get out of
1: it. A couple kids came over one time and uh, I was like, I guess they were, they were like, oh my gosh, let me see. I'm like, easy. don't Don't touch it. It might be still alive, whatever. Just messing with them, and they're like, "Where did you get it?" I'm like, "Oh, just right here in the backyard."
0: (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't go outside for a week. Well, dude, just with the size of the iguanas I've seen in your backyard, I wouldn't go out there by myself Mm -mm. unless I'm strapped. Those iguanas get gigantic. Is there a season on those? I don't. You better watch what you say.
1: (laughs) We have a BB gun. (laughs) gun.
0: (laughs) Why? Why are they're plentiful around where you live? And I know they're plentiful around a lot of places of Florida, but. Do people just look at them like they're there? Nobody cares that they're there in their yard. Are they damaging? Do they Hell eat yeah. your vegetation, your gardens? Do they have they... no
1: idea that's an invasive species. That I've talked to game wardens to like shoot them all. Really? Mm-hmm.
0: So you can't get in trouble for it?
1: You're sure? I okay. mean, maybe a game warden was my friend and he told me <laughs> that. I'm not sure, but I... I know, I know that they leave the most. I mean, it's like a dog pile of shit that they leave in the backyard. Really? And they're huge, and they eat everything, and they just. It's just insane. Really? Yeah.
0: So they can they 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 have been put on an invasive species list in Florida. They they are on a list that says these are invading Florida. I want to look that up. That's interesting that's to me. Yeah. That's interesting. I've to heard. Me. I've, that's what I've heard. Because to the tourists, it's like being at a zoo. Oh my god look at that. That's how I was. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm being honest, that's how I was when I first saw them. I'm like, Oh my God. it's a. And then you're like, Holy shit. This place is overran with them. They're climbing up walls and trees. One time mm-hmm. me and you were going to the, what's the badass bar that we go to and bring our fish for them to cook for us? The cove, the cove. Mm-hmm. We were headed to the cove one day and there was an iguana. I don't know if you were in my, if I we were in the same boat, but there was an iguana laying in a hammock. He just climbed up on the hammock and just strutted it, strut oh, yeah, laying yeah, out they, on it like it was his.
1: They sit in our, yeah. And all of our furniture out, all, outside all of it they just and they shit all in it <laughs> and it's uh, yeah what it was was everyone the, the iguanas get so big when they buy them at the pet store and they're like alright I don't know what to do I can't them I don't have a heart to kill them so they just let them go it's insane I had <laughs> I got some stories about iguanas I First bet shit, we, it got cold in Florida which is like 40 degrees right. and the iguanas freak out they get like they get like wasp in a nest you know what I mean like If you go in a tree stand and you see a bunch of wasps in the cold and they don't move, they're super lethargic. Well, that's what all these iguanas did. So we went and caught a bunch of them and put them in a box. I had like 12 of them in a box and I put them inside the house, not knowing that the house was like 75 degrees and it was like 30 or 40, whatever it was outside. Well, them jokers came back to life full. Full, uh, like, just came back to life and started just jumped out of the box or around the whole house. You want to try catching these six foot iguanas?
0: They really get six feet, huh?
1: Oh yeah, with their tail. Yeah, but dude, they use their tail and they whip the shit out of you. That was a, that was, if somebody had a video camera of me trying to catch these six iguanas <laughs> that I had in a box that I got out and were running around the house. So they were, they joke.
0: were pretty much paralyzed because of the cold. They couldn't move. You put yeah. them in the box to try to rehabilitate them. And then they, as soon as they get heated back up, they come out of the box like wild banshees. Yeah. I just left the house. I think I went to the par or something. I Did you leave back. the door open? <laughs> no, the door was closed. <laughs> you went in the down house,
1: down? Shit everywhere. And they were completely 100% ready to rock. Really? Yeah.
0: And did you go to American Social? Mm, I might have. That's might one have. of the coolest yeah. hangouts in America. Yeah. That Shit. bar is cool.
1: And it's my, tiny, that's my, that's it's so
0: little. Mm-hmm. And like people continue to th- just stack themselves in there like cordwood. And you go in there and I'm like, what is so special about this joint? Like, yeah, and it is. Paul
1: that owns it is a.
0: He's smart yeah, because yeah. he does two things right. He has badass bartenders mm-hmm. that are always on the ball. And they, all they care about is making sure they don't sit there and chit-chat. and They have conversation if they can, but they're about getting the drinks out. And then the food is unreal. Yeah. The food is legit. And they
1: just changed their menu, and they have a, it's even better now. Really? Yep.
0: Oh, I can't wait to get back there. Which, you know, one of the things we should talk about is the experiences we've had with, with, with Bluefin, to give them a little plug here, yeah. in Parkland, Florida. Probably the best sushi in America, if not the best. I mean, Nobu's awesome. There's a lot of good sushi, but... Bluefin sushi, the owners they have two of them down in Florida. Mm-hmm. They've become good friends with you and your dad and the sushi boats that your dad has brought into the backyard at his pad will be sitting in the pool which has an adjoining hot tub. We might one time we were standing in the hot tubs, me and your mom and your dad, we're just sitting there chilling having a beer and here comes this guy, this little Japanese guy with this boat that I mean he could barely see over the top of it and it was full of the the best pieces of sashimi from yellowtail to tuna, to octopus, to yanagi, to salmon, to um, lobster the lobster roll. Oh, my gosh. And it's not a lobster roll that's, like, stuffed with mayo. And if anybody out there wants to write me and say, you need to start eating cream cheese in your sushi, I might punch them because cream cheese for weird people. <laughs> and then even weirder when you mix it with raw fish and sushi, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, what are you doing? And, like, this sushi boat was nothing but top-of-the-line, prime, raw fish. And I'm just like. Wow, and your dad's done it like three or four times. Every time we go down there, we get a boat, and I'm <laughs> like, God, I'd hate to see the freaking. I'm spoiled by <laughs> oh, your dad. Yeah. <laughs> if Rob's listening, Rob Cannon, I absolutely adore you. He's a badass, and your dad's a stud, man. He's freaking. He's got to be approaching sixty right now, yeah. Yeah, he's got to be close, and he's in shape. Yeah, he
1: just he yeah. just killed a, a big old mule deer in Nebraska, like spot and stalk.
0: Where's Nebraska? Nebraska. Oh, Nebraska. <laughs> he, I saw the pictures of it spot yeah. and stalk with his big bow. Old
1: heavy, yeah. It was a crossbow.
0: Oh, he shot the ground. Yeah, way.
1: yeah, he's he can't. His shoulders all jacked up now. He can't. He can't pull bow back from freaking reeling
0: and marlin and, and just and being awesome. Selfish, just being. My shoulders messed up be from being awesome. But he, we've had some insane times with Rob. The, the Rob and I want. I want to talk about this. I, I want to save it for when we get into fishing. Remind me that when we we're talking about fishing, that I want to talk about the boat okay. and why they're so special. Mm-hmm. Because that boat is badass, and I know that you guys just got a new one. Um, you have covered now the gators we've covered the iguanas we covered how many hogs are down there what when you start talking about the grand slam of wild turkeys and again we mentioned that the osceola florida is the only place osceola county i think is i don't know are there in other counties obviously Mm -hmm. but um is there anything different about them or is it just a regional thing? Do you hunt them the same way? And now, one thing for sure is different, that the season starts a hell of a lot earlier than most places. Mm-hmm. Southern Georgia and Florida usually start around the second or third week of March. Or is it February?
1: Uh, the south zone of Florida opens like March 3rd, I believe. So, early. so it's like the first season, yeah. Are,
0: are there Osceola's in the south zone?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's down there by Big Cypress. That's far south. They call them like, that's a real swamp bird. That's as far south. That's a truest Osceola. they' own, They're like... Fifteen to seventeen pounds, like just small. Awesome, the getting chased by cougar. They don't. They don't talk. There's really? a ton of cougar, like mountain lions out there. Pumas, the track, or,
0: right? Or they like, puma. What are y'all? They call them
1: Florida panthers. Florida but, Panthers. But they brought. I guess um, alligator alley used to run across like the state, and it used to wipe out a bunch of wildlife. Um, and a guy named like Ron Bergeron actually started like bringing in. Um, Texas Panthers, Mountain Lions, and reintroducing them. And now we're, we're just loaded with Florida Panthers. And uh, the turkeys don't really talk that much, I think, because of them. <laughs>
0: because I, they can sneak up on them after yeah. that.
1: I've had three encounters with Florida Panthers calling turkeys. Them come stalk the decoys. It
0: happened here a couple of years ago. It was on the front page of the paper. It said father and son duo team up for a world-class tom, and it's got them there with their turkey with a dead cougar laying with it too. And they, this cougar come and split the trees from behind them and went right after their decoy. And, the, and they, uh, when, when the uh, cougar went by them, the dad looked at the sun and they were kind of freaked out. So the dad shot and shot low. And when that, when that 12-gauge pellets hit low, it spun that cougar around and he started coming back towards the trees at And he smoked them and it died like right at their feet. But that, the only thing that brought him in there was the sounds they were making. Yeah, exactly. You know, and God, they're, they're freaking awesome. Every
1: time that I've done that and I've, I've called in an actual panther, I've, I've got up and walked out. I was like, I'm not even.
0: But is it, is it the only species in Florida? Are there any Easterns in Florida or is it all up
1: north? I think around Orlando, I think is, is the cutoff. I think Orlando South is all true Osceolas and then you'll get some like hybrids. So where are we hunting mainly? We were hunting in Melbourne, south of Orlando. So is that considered the southern zone? No, we're in central. We're in central. We're in central. We're uh, right on, the, right on the, the line. And how far
0: much. drive is that from Lauderdale if you just drove it? Two and a half hours. It, you can be to Orlando in two and a half hours from Lauderdale? Mm-hmm. And then how much more of Florida is left after that? Two hours? Isn't it about seven hours from top to bottom?
1: Yeah, but it takes me about nine hours to get to Pensacola.
0: To get the Pensacola from and Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. The panhandle. Okay, mm-hmm. so up in the panhandle. Have you ever been to like Destin in that part of the Yeah. Oh yeah. You like the Gulf Shores? Mm-hmm. Been to Florida? Yeah. You've been to the bar so sick, dude. I love David Lee Murphy and Kenny Chesney wrote that song about the Florida. Mm-hmm. I mean it's like it to a T, but so everything's the same though. You scout the same, you you roost the bird the same, you you guys use blinds and you go mobile and just get up against the tree Mm -hmm. what are the things you're looking for because to me that just seems like and I've done it and I love it and I've killed my first Osceola it's being mounted right now by Hazel Creek I can't wait it's they're actually going to have it on display at NWTF in Nashville yeah I sent them the the Cypress oh oh you did huh thank you yeah that's going to be he's so excited about David is that's awesome but I'm eerie i'm mean, it's a little eerie up there because you're thinking about what is lurking out in the in Florida because there's so many dangerous animals in Florida when it comes oh, to yeah. poisonous snakes and all of the different things that can get you. I'm not trying to sound like a pansy. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but with that heat and that kind of hunting where you're actually sitting your ass down on the ground, maybe a butt pad under you. Does that ever go through your mind, or is it just your adrenaline that you're just like, I don't know, whatever happens, happens? Now, again, in Turkey season, you're putting yourself in harm's way in every state with ticks and snakes, and they're coming out of hibernation and starting to warm up. And well, yeah, we have rattlesnakes too. Which,
1: I mean, actually, JP Morris came down and hunted osseals with us, and we went to. We were like, all right, we got to make a, a run to this cypress little or this little uh, uh, palmetto head. JP runs to it, and all of a sudden, he jumps back as far as can, I'm getting rattlesnakes right there in the cypress or in the um, palmetto head. But I've had times where I'm like, all right, there's a bird hammering just off, like just on the back side of this, this swamp. I'm like, all right, you know what? Instead of going around, I'm just going to go through the swamp and I go through the swamp and I, I don't know, like a, an alligator, like, <laughs> like an alligator, like within 10 feet of me. And I'm like, okay, what do I do here? And I just, they, they're so scared of us anyway. So we just kind of push through, but I don't Yeah, it's always in the back of your mind. I mean, alligators, snakes, everything.
0: Well, I, I just think that Florida is, has an abundance of things that'll get you. Mm-hmm. Now, so does Louisiana. And I think that Mississippi, and there's, again, there's a lot of things that can get you, but a lot of people just think, man, turkey hunting, you go out and you, you got to pay attention. Ticks and, and the diseases that ticks cause, can get you really sick. And I know a lot of people have gotten oh, yeah. tick bites. And, and I mean, Leith got fever this year. Brad Arrington, my dog trainer got, from Mossy Pond, got fever this year. There's a lot of things that you have to be careful about in the turkey woods. But Florida just seems like one of those places where you got to be extra careful.
1: Yeah, we don't have the tick as, ticks as bad. But there's definitely times where I'm, I know I'm hunting in this public land. i got to bring waders to get to the area that I'm getting to. i got to be in water chest deep alligators, snakes, everything just to get to my turkey spot, which is, doesn't see, I don't think you have to do that anywhere else. Maybe some swamps in like Mississippi or Louisiana or something. I haven't heard but,
0: of it. I mean, I've seen people that have to have, I mean, a lot of turkey hunters are, they wear the knee boots, but that's about it. The water doesn't usually get up higher than that. Yeah, I've had to cross some creeks and stuff, but never, it just seems, I don't know. It, maybe it's, it's dumb to think, but I mean, a lot of people in America, when you start talking about the wild turkey, you have four main species in America. You have the, the Rio, the the uh, Osceola, the eastern, and then you have the one that's to me. The, I think it's like the hardest to kill. I don't know what it is about them, but they've evaded me. We've been to Wyoming together. I've been to Montana. I've been to e- Eastern South Dakota. There, you know, there's some states that have a bunch of different species, a lot of crossbreeding going on. But a true Miriams has been like the one. They're beautiful to me. I know Colorado's got some, but you have the four species, you got the Miriams, you got the Rio, you got the Eastern, you got the Osceola. And for the world slam in Mexico, you got the oscillated and the 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 gold and the oscillated down in Cancun is for the world slam. So you got those six, I believe, I don't know if there's five, but in the continental United States, there's four. Mm -hmm. And then there's even up into like Ontario and Southern Manitoba and stuff. There's some really good turkey hunting. Ontario's got some badass turkey hunting. It just seems to me when you talk about whether you're hanging out at the NWTF in Nashville at their national convention or just sitting around Turkey camp, but the place that people sit, talk about a lot is man, I've been to Florida. You've been to Florida. You got your Osceola yet? Because it's like that one that you can go to several States and get a Rio, mm-hmm. including California, all the way to Kansas. And then you can go to tons of States and get the Eastern. Yeah. You, again, there's a few and I can't name them off the top of my head, but I know for sure, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Eastern South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, up That's in maybe the Northwest yeah. corner, of Nebraska might have a few Merriam's. Um, but it always seems like Florida is the one that people are like, oh, we're going. Yeah. We're going. And, and, they
1: pay, and they paid crazy money for them. Which yeah. just, That's crazy. exactly where I was
0: going with this. The outfitters are charging. Like $2,500, $2, $2, $2, $2, some of them, just to kill one bird. One bird. That's insane. One bird for a turkey. A freaking chicken. One turkey. What does Waddell call turkeys? Thunder chicken? Thunder chicken. Waddell yeah. is the baddest-ass marketer when it comes to turkeys. Like, he did the thunder chicken. First of all, if he's a badass turkey caller and a turkey getter, he can go get turkeys. Mm-hmm. Don't know how hard it is. To me, I think it's difficult. I like it. It gets me fired up. The the gobble when you can't see them, when you're anticipating that, when you... And then that freaking thing thunders off like that, that gets me. Mm -hmm. That's really the biggest thing that gets me in turkey hunting. Seeing them, fanning out, it's cool. But when you can't see them, and the echo in those woods, and the density of it, and they're just like... And you're just like, whoa, sh-. That, that lights me up. And you don't want to move because they got unreal eyesight. They say if a turkey could smell, you'd never kill one. No. They can't smell. Nope. And that keeps a lot of them, that ki- kills a lot yeah. of them. But their eyesight is like, you don't want to move. You got to be camoed up. You, you But then the box blind thing is what blows my mind is that you can literally walk out into the middle of a field that morning and put a bog. I know for deer hunting, you want it out there for a while for them to get used to and camoed up big yeah, time. you want to put p- Brush it in and all that. Kind I've of been stuff. in Kentucky where Sam Natton's put one in the middle of a winter wheat field, and turkeys bomb the decoys across that thing with that freaking blind that was not there yesterday. There and I'm like, what in the freak is going on? I'm not saying that every turkey's dumb. I'm just saying that I love tur- I love that part they can of it. Could be
1: the, the, the hardest things to hunt, and they could be the easiest. Things yeah, hunt. I mean, and, I, and, it's, and it's, it's like a day. Each day is different, and it and it boggles my mind because last year I had a horrible season. Like I felt like they were the smartest turkeys in the world. Year before that. It was awesome. Like I, I feel like everywhere I went, everything worked and p- it worked the way it was supposed to work. And then last year, I got I got humbled. That's for sure.
0: They'll humble you in a hurry. Yeah. Like they say, the toughest birds in the country are like Alabama, some Georgia. Georgia. And I've had the the most difficult time in the state of Mississippi getting them to commit. I've had really cool hunts in Tennessee, Texas, Kentucky. I think are not really the brightest birds. I've killed good birds in Kansas, Nebraska. Um, I've. Ki- here we got some turkeys here in, in, mm-hmm. in, but I've had some awesome hunts in California on the, on the Sacramento river. But again, it's like, we're going to Florida. We're getting our Osceola. We're starting the season off. A lot of turkey hunters do that. And back to Waddell, I know you've hunted with Culpepper and, and Munt, I think came down mm-hmm. and hunted with you. Nick did. Yeah.
1: Waddell was in camp with us one, one time as well yeah. too. I think he, he was hunting on a farm just next to us. And he came in, we had red Akins and, and Cole Pepper in camp. Um, putting them on some birds. So he came to, to shoot Red Akins
0: is, is not a very good songwriter, is he? Holy smokes, he's a <laughs> genius, dude. Yeah. That, that was years. the first time he came to camp,
1: and he showed me, uh, he goes, hey, check this guy out, brought a YouTube video of Chris Stapleton. That's really? how long ago this was. Before he was, he was with still drivers, before he had anything, yeah. and he was like, check this guy out. He has runs like nobody else can, he can do runs, which I don't know what really any of this means, but he's like, he can do runs, more that better than anybody in country music and his voice is like gold a, a, a mixture between fergie fergie and jesus yeah that's what he
0: said <laughs> it really is yeah. i mean like when i first heard the steel drivers i was like Leith Lofton and we're sitting in it i can it was a tacoma no it was a, it was a tundra at least toyota tundra he goes hey he goes hey hoss listen to this and he put on like drinking dark whiskey or um what was the song he wrote for adele the love song. Um, he wrote a big hit for Adele, mm-hmm. but it was drinking dark whiskey that he did. And he put it and it was on that black album by still drivers. And I'm like, who is this? He's like, yeah. dude, he, he's, he's a little local dude that tours the local scene here with this local band called the still drivers. And then a few years later, I went on this run down to Alabama and Florida with Drake. And it was a radio tour with him and Chris. And I did, we did the grand old Opry, Drake and Chris were on the Opry. And then we went, got on the bus and so we went down to to Birmingham Montgomery and then into Destin and Panama City and and uh, Stapleton was on there so I got to see him in these little tiny rooms with a crowd and he had a song on the radio at that time called what are you listening to Such a before, before it was good and it only got to like 40 or 35 on the charts and I thought it's I thought man he didn't make it as a solo artist and then lo and behold I'm in Lauderdale and me and you are in the truck and we're like have you heard Traveler and remember that night? Yeah. It's We always listen to two things in Lauderdale. One, it's either going to be Kitmore or or Stapleton, those two, or we're listening to hip-hop and some beach music. But that <laughs> night, we're like, dude, this Traveler album, we both said Album of the Year, and boom. We, it wasn't like we were being smart because it really blew everything out of the water. And then, um, and then he uh, come out with Songs from a Room, Volume 1, Album of the Year. I don't think he got it this year. Then Miranda got it in between those two, I think. Mm-hmm. And then this year, Album of the Year was not stapleton i can't think of who just got album of the year i don't know didn't sturgill get it at one point no i don't think he got a he got a grammy nomination i think he got a grammy sturgill I think. won something i thought but. in the really in the country music awards i can't I think really. of who got the album of the year this year i didn't watch it so i'm just trying to think of the solid album oh it was uh casey musgraves out of texas she's badass mm-hmm. she's really really solid and she's not even commercialized not even a ton of radio play radio attention. And she got album of the year based on, I mean, she's selling out freaking arenas in London and shit and beautiful songs. And her songwriting's good. But Stapleton back to Stapleton, that, that whole thing about hearing him with Leith that day, I'm like, Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah.
0: And how does this guy almost 40 and not broke yet? And he it was like, he didn't want to, he'd already written the huge songs for a crossover artists. Um, I'm talking, I mean, he's good friend. The story of how him and Timberlake met at that party he when Chris does. was yeah, playing was it. Crazy. And then that thing that they did on the award show that it was night. was by
1: far the best thing I've ever seen. Still to this day, the best thing it I've saved ever country, seen. It
0: didn't save country music, but it really put me like, wow, dude, this is like, they, they did um, Tennessee Whiskey and Some of My Friends or whatever. That song is Timberlake wrote so a few of my friends. Jack and Jim and all of their friends. Uh, uh, no, it's called Something Drinks. Uh, drink You Away. Drink You Away. God, what a song. Timberlake is a... Uh, he's stud. badass a lot. He is a bona fide stud. Like
1: you <laughs> he, he's like my man crush. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> mine too.
0: I'm like, God, oh, dude. And he, he just seems cool as a cat, man. Seeing yeah. country music and and just humble and, and the he can move, dude. God there's a video of him online. We're all over the map, you know, we go from Freaking Gators yeah. The Kigs The Turkeys The dude, Justin, Justin Timberlake <laughs> But there's a video Of him at a concert At Bridgestone Arena In Nashville Down on Broadway The big arena there mm-hmm. And, and um, he goes Hey I couldn't come To a country music You know Music City USA And not do a country one Y'all ready for some country And he goes he goes, I got friends yeah, I see And that. then Garth comes out Dude And the place awesome. erupts He's got nice. those, those Gospel singers Behind him yep. For his stage yep. And then Garth comes out In like a Carhartt hat And a freaking Red and black flannel With big boots on yeah, like he just
1: got done driving a truck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: he just grabs the guitar and, just, and the place erupts. Like, Garth, what he just did at Notre Dame, yeah. and now his first two stops at his stadium tour in Glendale, Arizona, and one in, I think, St. Louis sold out the first day they went on sale. He's like, Garth Brooks is on a different level of stardom when it comes to being attra- attracting a crowd, yeah, he and he just that. did it. Yeah. Took it's, like 10 15 years off to raise his kids and then came back and goes, "Excuse me, I'm just going to get the entertainer the Yeah. Back. Hey you no guys." And he's cool. He's humble about it. He's almost too humble to wear. Garth has almost gotten weird yeah. in it's a like
1: way. He's going to sell this 100,000. Yeah.
0: Million. But he's almost weird the way he is now. He's so like quirky to me. I'm just yeah. like he used to be this staunch like Oklahoma state cowboy, loved mm. wrestling. He always talked about being in the outdoors and being on the back roads. and now it's like I don't know if I'm wrong about that. It just seems like like I don't think anything changed him, but he just seems quirky now. Yeah. I don't know if you watch him or pay attention no, to him. He I just don't. he just I, doesn't
1: I haven't noticed it. He
0: definitely doesn't seem like the same guy that's on the album of 1993 Rodeo with that black hat and blue shirt and his head tilted a little bit and singing about Ladigo and all. Mm-hmm. I mean that album was oh, dude, I used yeah. to he was my man crush back in high school, college. <laughs> Dude, we went and seen him so many freaking times around here. He'd come here with with Trisha, Reba, Sarah Evans. He always had females opening for him. in the play, smart it, man, yeah. And then he would, and then his concert, you would just be like, man, he'd swing from the ropes and just swing out over the crowd. He was on a different level. Yeah, and it shows because I think he's worth like eight hundred million or something. Like he's destroyed it in life. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got off on, how did we get on financial yeah. music? Well, we were talking
1: about, I talk about Stapleton. That's where Rhett, when Rhett was at oh, when the Rhett turkey there. Came camp, and he was talking about Stapleton. I'm in my head, I'm like, dude, what do you mean? You're like one of my idols. Like what That ain't
0: mean? my truck yeah, in here like, drive. He, he's
1: sitting there picking guitar around the campfire, and I'm like, in heaven. And then he's like, dude, check this guy out. He's amazing. I'm like, you're amazing.
0: What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, well, he's got all these songwriters on his side, because Chris comes across, I've met him a couple times, so humble and sweet. And I don't know him personally. Just met him a couple times. And um, he's done it. He's got the, the support of his peers. Um, if you're wondering what I do on my phone, I'm, I take notes on, on what you what I want to talk about. And I've said like one thing off my notepad, and it's turned into this whole <laughs> deal so far. Um, but he, he's got the support of all these people. He sells out everywhere he's playing right now. I've seen him a couple times this summer. And he continues to innovate himself with awesome songwriting but when you have somebody like red akins think about what Red's doing right now you know he's going on tour this year with his son thomas ret who's selling out everywhere now and thomas is a very he's that crossover artist he's right on the verge of being like he's wearing the skinny jeans kind of with the vans which is cool he's right his song lyrics are very good though have you heard have you paid attention to the the lyrics of life changes Mm-hmm. Like the way he sings about his wife in there and adopting oh, yeah, the girl yeah, yeah. from Africa, the little girl from Africa, and then, their, and then their daughter being born and how life changes and just how everything that... Because I remember three, four years ago, he was. we were talking backstage at one of his shows when he was before anything at Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I had no idea he was going to blow up into this, mm-hmm. pretty much the face of crossover country music right now. Like he is as good as it gets, in my yeah. opinion. And he's got... A very un, non-traditional sound as far as country yes. goes. I, I
1: like his music a lot. I just don't know why he posted a picture of him killing something and he took it down. Yeah, and I wasn't a big fan of that. That
0: was weird too because he, when we were first talking, he's like, "I need to get some banded waders and and all this stuff." And his dad is huge, open huge. about
1: outdoors and hunting, and, and then he he's a hunter too, and he just doesn't show it. I know it, which it's crazy to me, weird to me too. I hope he didn't. We need a, people like him to.
0: Yeah, and there's no reason for him not to stay in it and have a voice in it. He's his, country music. His dad and Dallas Davidson and the Georgia Peach Pickers are arguably the biggest songwriting songwriters going in Nashville as far as the hits over the last 10 years go. Yeah. And Dallas and Dallas and Rhett hunt like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, Like seriously, they're just nonstop hunting. And yeah. Those are some cool dudes. Yeah, like, I've hunted with both of them. They're, they're awesome. I got to hang with Dallas a, a, in Alabama a couple months ago, and he was as cool as for what he's achieved in songwriting. To me, songwriting, again, I don't know why we're on songwriting, but I guess that's the way the conversation's flowing. But songwriting is an art and a there's a science to it. And it's so intriguing to me. If you can get your feelings down in the in the way that it's supposed to be versed in a song, the way how it's written, you know, you got the hook and you got the bridge and you got the chorus and which the chorus is the hook, but you got all that, then you got the main body of the song. And you you don't have a whole lot of time to play that nobody wants to hear a nine minute song unless you want to hear free bird again but most songs are two minutes and 50 seconds to three minutes and 30 seconds long you got to say a lot in there and and part of that's like three of the same verse with the hook you know so i'm trying to write these songs i'm like man how do they do it so easily it just rolls off their tongue i've tried my
1: the hardest too i've wrote i have a lot of songs written in my phone actually and they're, oh, my gosh, I would never. Do you send in to Rhett?
0: No. Come on, dude, send one to Rhett. Go, hey, what do you think of this? No. Dude, know. all it takes is a couple lines for them to go, damn, I never saw it that way. And then they write it. You get a co-writer deal. You give it to Stapleton. Stapleton usually sings his own songs except his covers, which the covers he did at Tennessee Whiskey and Willie and First Thing I Needed, or Last I did, Thing I Needed, yeah. First Thing This Morning. But you get it to the right guy, and it goes, number one, now you're like Chase Rice when he wrote that freaking Cruise song for Florida, Georgia, Dorks. Don't, didn't mean that bad. I'm just not a big fan. But Florida Georgia Line made that dude a ton of money, yeah. and yeah. I think there was like four or five writers on it, so they had to split the royalties. But dude, songwriting pays. Yeah. If you get oh a radio yeah. hit, it yeah. pays.
1: Yeah, I know. I uh, I've talked to Tyler about it before. Tyler Farr and and Gary Gary actually got to show me where he wrote all of his songs on his, on this old like wooden. I mean, it's like a a wooden notebook type of deal that he that he has that he showed me that that he wrote all of his number ones on. So I'm like, when I watch that, and I'm like, I'm never going to send my stuff to anybody ever.
0: <laughs> Dude, he's written some songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say my favorite Gary Allen song, and I know that that's the Gary you're referring to because mm-hmm. you've taken him fishing and gator hunting and stuff, is probably songs about rain. Mm-hmm. Dude, that song, when I'm he mind. lights into that, I'm just like, and I've seen him so many times live. Again, don't know that the whole we've I've talked with Drake and Leith and several people about why do some people become like household names and world famous and this, and they can sell out arenas like Luke Bryan and these people, or, you know, you got your things that got mad talent and it takes them years to get to where they're at. And then you have this guy like Gary Allen, that's had number one hit after number one hit selling out theaters and, you know, pretty big rooms, five, 6,000 people and his voice and his stage presence and his songwriting ability. And you're like, How is he not the biggest thing in music,
1: right? It's live. There's nobody better. He's insane. All these guys I've listened to live, and I'm like, man, where is it at? But you listen to guys like that live. Sounds like like a CD.
0: Like George Strait. You hear it, and you're like, this sounds like they're playing a CD up there. And George is boring as hell in concert, but you can't help but just go. You're the king. They call me the the fireman. That's my name. And you just sing along with every song. And that's why Garth and these guys. Chris's concerts are different because they're. Chris is methodical, he doesn't move. He's got that three-piece set up there, sometimes four with his wife playing the tambourine. I, I saw her a couple times last year. Saw the band a couple times last year and she was pregnant so she wasn't around. But you have hey,
1: three, He's got that George Strait presence, same thing. But you, but stands George there and just
0: Yeah, but George Strait sing along. And I've never understood cuz you you can't sing along to a Chris Stapleton song. So too. A lot of them are too deep. I a lot not. of them. Oh, dude, you're crazy. You can't sing uh Halos. What's that song about Halos? Don't go chasing rainbows. No, that was Third Eye. And freaking, <laughs> no, what's the song about halos? You know the one I'm talking about. The big hit off is the first hit yeah, off. Is yeah, now.
1: yeah. But I'm just
0: even I, like Traveler. I mean, even like parachute. Nobody can sing
1: like George Strait
0: either. No, no, no. I'm not talking voice wise. His lyrics are like they're not they're not talking about a fireman or Amarillo by morning. They're or talking, the about, they're talking about some deep shit, dude. You're like, and you can't, they're not sing along songs. I don't care what you yeah. say. I've seen it at Tahoe this year. I saw it where like, he goes, all right, y'all take it or something like that. You know, where he'll let the crowd sing and you look around and everybody's like, I don't you know. And they don't know what to do because they don't know the words. He's not a sing along artist. In my opinion, George, George Garth, like Keith Urban's not a sing along artist. He's not one of them guys. Maybe one song out of his whole career is a sing along song. There are guys that have those songs that when they put it on you, like Eric Church's Springsteen song, when he lets the crowd take that song, they don't miss a beat. When Kenny puts on a song in a stadium, they don't miss a freaking beat. When Stapleton goes, take it from here, and the lights go on the crowd, it's just a bunch of mumbling because he's not a sing-along artist. And that's the difference is that...
1: I think because they know how great his voice is, and they don't want to They might
0: be intimidated. That's a good point. It might be. But I just don't think a lot of people know his lyrics. Yeah. They just don't know his I don't (laughs) know his lyrics. I'm like, "What what the heck? Okay, so... Rhett's in camp, they turkey hunt. We always talk about how cool it is to to have the lifestyle that where you all of a sudden you're in town with. Michael Waddell's huge in the hunting industry, and now you're in camp with him, and then you have Red Aikens and you got Tyler Farr and you got Gary Allen and Dallas Davidson and it's all because of hunting and 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 to to do that, you know we want to get into a little bit about what you do, and I think I've probably been asked that question. 150 times in the last two years like what does brett cannon do what what do you what do you does he work does he does he make a living where is he like what does he do he's always on a boat he's always in the bahamas he's over in australia he's in the dominican he's killing pigs he's in we're getting about to get into deer hunting you go to kansas you go to nebraska you go to elk hunting in colorado um what do you do
1: (laughs) i tell you what i don't do is i don't say no to opportunity (laughs) Okay. right so um, I, I'm very fortunate to be in a position that I am where my dad owns a company and my brother pretty much runs it and when he's not there I pretty much try to take over well I've taken like a few steps back like a sacrifice right it takes a sacrifice to get to where you really want to go in your life because I don't want to work for a living I want to do what I want to do for a living and have fun um, so that's my goal that's my end goal um. So, uh, yeah, my, I'm in a position where I, I took a pay cut, obviously, to be able to travel and do these things, and it's taken a long time to get to where I am now. Uh, it's been a it's been a long road, honestly. But uh, you know, I Are work you, at Interstate Batteries. Okay, so I'm now not, we're getting to what yeah, you do. Yeah. So I work. What at, do you do? I work at Interstate Batteries, right, for my dad's company.
0: Uh huh.
1: Um, offload trucks, semi trucks, load trucks micromanage you know warehouse employees things like that um and then as long as one of us my dad my brother or i are there the company is self-sufficient it runs itself right so one of us has to be there uh so i'm the low man on the totem pole so i have i had to come up with other means to make income because i'm like you know what i don't this is i'm trying to like kind of let my brother take that path right so my goal is to hey I want to try to build a company or build my personal brand or build my production company or or do all the things that I want to do on the side that way I can give him the company and then I can do my my own thing and I thought okay what do I love most well my baseball career didn't work out I love hunting and I love fishing. I love production. I love taking pictures. I love all this stuff. So that's my goal now. Is I, I go out. I've got a few sponsors. I got a few companies that I do it with. And now I love, I fish professionally and I hunt professionally, and I have Interstate batteries too, which I'm trying to get enough, you know, sponsors or partners or, or employees or whatever it is that I need to get to to get rid of Interstate and let my brother have that.
0: So. You say you carry camera, video and digital? Mm-hmm. Like real legit digital cameras or an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a sore subject. Yeah, you're funny, With yeah. me it's a sore subject. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna kill yeah. a lot of our photographers. Um, Tom,
1: I'm talking to you. No. High end high end mm-hmm.
0: So you go phone. you'll go, let's for example, let's say you and your dad are on the farm in south of Orlando, you are turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. You're documenting this for TV, you're documenting it for short form videos on the internet, or are you Just, mainly doing product, product video and showcasing and marketing with photography and videoing for products for the companies that you're associated with, which include? Yeah. Which, I'm what both. are they?
1: So I'm, I'm, I do both. I do, I do content for specific companies that I'm with. I do content for myself to build my personal brand. Which then you know obviously gives me a little more credibility and things and things, whatever, um, and then you know overall just and then just being a hunter, I love being out there. So whether so I'm trying to film for a YouTube series at some point. I'm trying to film for social media. You know I'm trying to get as much content as I can for the, the companies that I'm with, my partners that I'm with now, and then just deliver all the content I can.
0: And when you when you say content, you're talking, do they send you a checklist of, hey, Brett, if we know you're going on this turkey hunt and you're wearing a Garmin watch and you have some different products by Garmin, which was one of the companies you work with, mm-hmm. do they say we need this, 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 and this? Or do they just entrust in you of saying, just send us what you get. We know it's going to be have, legit. I have
1: both. So there's, there's, they will be, uh, I can't speak. Specific. Right. Yeah. Specific product like shoots that I have to go on. And then there'll be some where they just trust my judgment and say, Hey, your creative side, just let it, let it flow and just get some awesome content. And I don't, I'm I pretty, I do a pretty good job at at getting it.
0: And you say that you're, you know, you're doing this for a living part-time working towards the YouTube video, the the stuff that we discuss on the side all the time, and in, in your different endeavors as far as where this content is going, when you go on a trip outside of the state of Florida, let's say you go to Kansas, Nebraska, Colorado, one of these, elk, and you're always th- this year you were archery mule deer hunting with the Heartland Bowhunter Crew in Colorado, correct? Utah, Utah, you were in Utah for the early season archery mule mm-hmm. deer.
1: Yeah, we collabed the, there. And does, got-
0: is this lucrative to the point to where you at least are breaking even to where you go on a road trip like that? It's, it's. I don't care about the profit. I'm not trying to get into your personal business. But you have it down to where that trip's paid for through the content that you deliver to these different partners. So these trips, are they some personal and some professional? The reason I'm asking, Brett, is because I get so many people writing like, how do you guys do what you do? And I never know exactly how to answer it in this in the nature of, well, you know, you just go out with the camera and start filming and somebody's going to want to watch you killing ducks. And the next thing you know, you're going to, you know, you'll, you'll be doing the same thing we're doing. And I don't want to say that. I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot more that goes into it than when you say I hunt professionally, I want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it that you don't just take a camera and go on a road trip and document it and think some companies are going to be like, wow, you have a lot of good talent as far as being able to picture and think steps ahead of what that in consumer or that fan or that viewer is going to want to see. So Mm -hmm. you're telling a story through your photography, through your video, Mm -hmm. through your stories. I mean, through your, you know, your, if you're going in Colorado or Utah mule deer hunt with Heartland bow hunter, people are going to follow you on your social media that week. You, you're engaging to the point to where it's not just some kid from Dallas that moved to Florida, picked up a camera and said, Oh, I'm going to go do this. It's not that easy. No that's where i'm getting with this is that seven years ago when i met you you're launching a brand called killing it outdoors with apparel and hats and 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 uh, a web series fishing and gators and everything that we've talked about so far today and then here you are seven years later and you're working with some of the biggest cl- companies and brands in the industry Yeah, and killing it's not a, it's not even there anymore and you're not even trying to build that brand anymore you got the brett cannon the bc brand which is awesome but There's got to be a better answer that you can give me of what do you do? Like, how did you get there? What do you do? Because people are always writing you too. Hey, how did you get on that trip? How do you, how are you doing that? Because there's a lot of people that travel and hunt. They don't document and They don't make a life out of it. And a lot of people see it and they're like, I want to be part of that. I want to do that to make a living, which it's not all glamorous traveling and hunting. And I don't want to make it sound like it sucks because it doesn't by any means, but it's not all glamorous. There's a lot. I
1: drove just to, I drove to Utah solo. I came back to Florida. I drove to Colorado solo. I came back to Florida. I drove to Kansas solo, Nebraska solo, back to Kentucky solo. I do all this stuff by myself. There's nothing glamorous about that. That, that legitimately sucks. Yeah. but Lonely.
0: You're lonely. You know,
1: Utah was, hey, you know what? I have an opportunity to go with some of the best, in my opinion,
0: videographers, videographers
1: there are. Great production team. Great guys. Great group of guys great hunters, everything like that. I said, you know what? I'm going to take it. I didn't think about it. If it was going to cost me money if it was going to make me money. Honestly, I thought of it as an opportunity. That's what I do with everything I do. I, I mean, honestly, a lot of this stuff's cost me money. I'm in the red. A lot of people I've had people ask me, are you a millionaire? How do you get to do it? No,
0: I don't. Well, It does look like that from the outside. Right? I, I, even me, a close friend. I'm like, Dude, you're in the Bahamas again. Like you're I Megan. I don't. Want to, you're not in the red. You're in the freaking Bahamas, not in the no, red. No, <laughs> no, no.
1: I have friends. A lot of this stuff is just. Yeah, trust me. Like I'm connected. Let's just say, and that's connected. All right. But so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go with the Heartland guys. I'm gonna learn maybe from them. You know, I'm like, hey, this is a learning experience. I don't have to kill anything. I'm gonna go learn from these guys. I'm going to go to Utah, spot and stalk. I mean, it was an insane hunt. It was a five-mile hike up to, the, up to the, the top of this mountain where we put base camp, and it was like, it was the hardest thing I ever did. But I also got to see, all right, all the camera guys, all the things they did, how they did all their, all their time lapses, wh- you know, just everything about it. I was like, okay, I just learned. I just made myself better on this trip. To me, it was worth it. It was worth the thousands of dollars I spent. To, so you to, did to learn something.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Were they Were they forthcoming? Were they like willing to teach? Oh, they're awesome. Is yeah. Michael Hunsucker a good dude? Oh yeah. He knows in an arm wrestling match, I'll whip his ass. <laughs> Will you call? Him? We tell. We're going to text him in a minute and ask him. Just say who would win an arm yeah. wrestling match. You, were building.
1: Sean, Mike um nate sean lucktail he's a good dude yeah nate nate killed and was the only one that killed on that trip he's an awesome hunter
0: Yeah, a lot of people awesome. think it's extravagant you go all the way to utah on a solo drive from fort southern florida the furthest point in america you can get away from utah pretty it much was 35 hours and you don't kill anything and then people are anything. like what well you you got the dream life well yeah it's because you got to figure out what you're getting out of it the story the experience the flavors the sounds the smells and then the learning potential and possibility that you have being around guys that have been there, done that. Huntsucker's a young dude. What he's accomplished with Heartland Bowhunter and their offshoot of Heartland Waterfowl and then their web series that they have, mm-hmm. he's he's been there, done that. He does it. He's got great partners and sponsors, an unbelievable production company and he works with some, ex, you know, external production companies that help him, but great photography, great content. They work their ass off. They oh, work right. with a lot of the same companies we do yeah. and our paths cross quite a bit. Like when we were all down in Georgia at the Realtree Edge launch, mm-hmm. but we hung out and just be the whole time with the the heartland bowhunter crew yeah great dudes and i want to get into it more part one of the brett cannon saga of this life ain't for everybody is coming to an end and the reason that it is coming to an end is because we're trying to accomplish a lot of things in about 72 hours before i leave for a kansas and oklahoma duck and goose trip brett is going to head out we'll talk about what he's going to get into next weekend in a sail fishing tournament but Part one, Brett Cannon, Florida, the man of this podcast, this life aid for everybody is over. We're going to continue this. It's going to be followed up very quickly by episode two with Brett Cannon. We're going to get into more of this hunting, more of what he does, actually does for a living. And if you guys want to check him out right now, go and follow him at Brett Cannon on Instagram, Facebook.
1: Brett uh, underscore Cannon.
0: Brett underscore Cannon is the website Brett Yes. Brettcannon.com. And look at what this guy does. Look at the selfish pictures, the marlin pictures, the turkeys, the pigs, the elk, the deer. Look at the, the style and the quality of his photography, the videos he's taken, the passion and the love that he has for it. And the amount of work ethic and hours and editing and everything that he does and applies himself that goes into this. And if and when people say, hey, I want that life, it's a lot of work. I'm the first one to tell you, it is a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of good that comes out of it. A lot of cool people, a lot of cool venues, a lot of cool destinations that we get to visit. I wanna get more into that, the hunting side of things. We're also going to get into a little thing that he does in Marlin and bill fishing. And I'm looking right now at the Billfish Royal Slam Club, the International Game Fish Association presents this certificate to brett cannon c-a-n-n-o-n species caught spearfish pacific blue marlin pacific sailfish striped marlin white marlin atlantic blue marlin atlantic sailfish swordfish and a black marlin he's done it all it has the dates and it has the locations from kona hawaii to flamingo costa rica to cape cona dominican republic miami florida esmuth australia this guy has been all over the world catching just billfish his story's awesome part two is going to cover some fishing some of the things he does on a daily basis with his fitness with his iron man that's coming up with the stuff that he's done just recently of getting himself in the best shape possible again we talk about it all the time here how do we wake up every morning put our feet on the ground and try to create a better versions of ourselves? brett cannon is walking proof of that i want to get into more about his dad we might even have rob call in here to tell a couple stories because i love that dude chad belding brett cannon this life ain't for everybody again that's episode one tom play us out would you with that leith lofton aka haas song what you gonna do when the money's all gone money's thank you all gone. again for the support we'll see you right back here for brett cannon part two life on earth won't last that long what you gonna do when
1: the money's all gone
0: Say life on earth won't last that long. What you gonna do when the money's all gone?